Hallelujah. We have a good father. We can even call him daddy. You, you understand that when Jesus was with the disciples and he was walking and, and, and the disciples saw and heard something different. I mean, they were Jews and they've been to the synagogue. They heard prayers. They heard religious people pray, but they heard Jesus. They saw and heard and they say, Jesus, Jesus, teach us how to pray. Apparently there was something different about the way he prayed. What he said that caught their attention, that drew their heart, that made them thirsty and hungry for something different. And you know what Jesus told them? The first thing he said, when you talk to God, don't talk to him as El Shaddai, the God who is more than enough, who Jehovah, the God who is all existing. Uh, don't talk to him like Adonai, who is master and Lord. Don't know. Talk to God, Abba, Daddy. For us, sometimes we take it for granted because we think, oh, Father God, but you understand what it meant for those disciples. It just threw them off. It's like, whew, like almost heresy to them. For a Jew, you know, in the Jewish system, before they could approach God, they had to wash themselves, put linen clothes, and then they went behind the veil with fear and trembling, with a rope attached at the ankle, just in case the sacrifice wasn't good enough. But because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, the Lamb whose blood is perfect, who is holy, 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 because of Jesus, now we can approach to God and call Him Daddy. Daddy. He's your Daddy. And you see, here is the good news. The, your sacrifice is perfect. You never have to come before God with fear and trembling, thinking, am I good enough? I, 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 did I do just everything correct? No, no. You, you know, when, when they offered the sacrifice on the altar, what is it that God looked at? It didn't look at the people. Right. He looked at the sacrifice. He looked at the lamb. And when you approach your daddy, God, God doesn't look at you in the flesh. You're all what you did or didn't do, should have done and, and didn't do. No, God looks at Jesus. Your faith in Jesus is what qualified you to come before God and say, Daddy, I know I don't have all my ducks in a row, but I come to you by faith in what Jesus Christ did for me. And God says, Oh my gosh, he's got a smile from ear to ear saying, that sacrifice will always be good enough and perfect. That's why he sent Jesus. Oh, holy. But you see, I notice, I noticed in these last days, they speak like, sorry. Notice in these last days, uh, there's been almost like a, a, an increase in demonic oppression. It's almost like people who knew who they were, people who had a, a solid walk with God, all of a sudden, even their own identity is being shaken. 
And I'm saying that because I travel all over and I talk to people all over and I, I, I discuss with some ministers that have been in the ministry for years and I hear some of the same thing. And some of the things that me, myself, I went through and I hear, I'm like, wait a second, something is going on. There is something going on in the spirit where the enemy knows his time is coming short he knows there is a revival coming so what is he doing just like he went in the garden to try to tell uh, Adam that he was not like God just like he went in the wilderness and told Jesus well if you are the really the son of God do this and do that in the same way in these last days right now I notice that there is an increase of oppression and it's almost like uh, all of a sudden you even doubt like What's going on? What's wrong with me? If I was really a Christian. If, you know, and, and it's almost like, I, I talked to people, I said, it's like we are in a fog. It's almost like we, we, we've got something going on and we don't know what's going on. And we are like under attack. Oh, glory to God. But you know, I've got good news. Is that God says when the enemy come as a flood, Comma. God raise up a standard. Or I'll even say better. When the enemy comes, comma, as a flood, God will raise up a standard. I like that even better. Glory to God. So you see, tonight, I, I want to talk about like what do you, what do you do? What you know, what do you do? And and if you if you allow me, I'm kind of gonna be very transparent. I'm kind of kind of share a little bit my own journey and some things that the Lord has been talking to me and helping me with. Because I don't know about you, but every one of you here tonight, you love God. Something in your heart. There is a chord in your heart that says, God, I love you. But sometimes we feel like we're in a fog or we're in a tunnel. Or we're like, where, God, where are you? I can't hear you. I don't seem to see you. I don't seem to feel you. I don't seem, what's going on? Hallelujah. So tonight I want to talk to you about how to even have revival in your own heart, in your own life. Because we've been talking about revival. Amen. We've been talking about what God is wanting to do in the church. But I believe it is so important for every one of us to experience that even that own, that revival in our own life, in our own heart. And even to maintain that revival, to maintain that fire. You know, last week, if you were not here, we talked about how to be and stay filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. And we found out last week that when we are be continually filled with the Spirit, we're going to walk in joy. We're going to be bold against the enemy and against that spirit of correctness and under Christ. We're going to be generous people who are going to look, how can we bless somebody else? How can we increase and advance the kingdom of God? And we're going to be people. Hallelujah, of love, who are not easily offended. People that know that they love the unlovely and, and love, amen, even when people don't deserve to be loved. Hallelujah. So you see, if you've been, if you're like me, and you've experienced a spiritual, what I call frustration, 
You know what I'm talking about? It's almost like a dissatisfaction. It's like you know there's something else. You know God wants you to, to go higher, to go further, to impact this generation. How many of you, you want to make an impact? You want to leave your print? Oh, my heart. I'm like, God, I want to please you so much, Daddy God. I, like Pastor was saying on Sunday, I want to hear Daddy God that says, well done, daughter. Well done, faithful. I want to hear that. But I, 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 want, I don't want to live this world looking back thinking, well, I could have done a little, you know. Oh, I missed what God wanted me. No, no. I want to live this life with eternity in my mind. And I know you do too. Every one of you. And you know, in order to do that, there's got to be a hunger. You know that dissatisfaction or like I call that spiritual frustration? It's really what will create that thirst in your heart. It's what's really going to make you thirsty. It's going to cause you to go and say, I know there's something, I've got to have it. It's going to make you thirsty. When you feel that frustration, when you feel that dissatisfaction, don't tell what's wrong with me. No, no, said, thank you, God. This is an invitation from my daddy, God, to step a little further, to go a little higher, to dig a little deeper. And you know what Jesus said? And God took me actually to Isaiah 55. And it's going to be our text for tonight. And I'm going to do something I've never done before. I'm going to go more or less line upon line. Because God spoke to me things through the, 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 the Isaiah 55. Did you know that there is a succession or a progression in the book of Isaiah. It is called the fifth gospel because in the gospel, in the, in, in, in the book of Isaiah, it prophesies about Jesus more than any Old Testament book. And you know in Isaiah 53, how many of you have heard of Isaiah 53? By who he who bore us our, our sin on the, on, the, on the cross, by whose tribes we are healed? That's Isaiah 53. But then when you look at Isaiah 54, it's talking about the covenant of peace. Isaiah 53, it's the cross. Isaiah 54 talks about a new covenant in Jesus Christ. And what is it that Isaiah 54 or 55 talks about? It talks about living the abundant life, living the spirit-filled life, living the life in Jesus. And you know how Jesus started or how Isaiah started? Whoa, everyone who thirst, come to the waters. He says, if you are thirsty, come to the waters. And you remember in Matthew, and it's found in Matthew 5, 6, we call that the Sermon on the Mount. In in Matthew 5, 6, when Jesus was with the crowd, he got away from the crowd, went on the mountain, and there were only his disciples. And then he talked to his disciples. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit. Poor in spirit is needy. Somebody who, who wants more of God, who wants God, who is dependent upon God. Amen. 
Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those, verse 6, who hunger and thirst, for they shall be filled. Here, uh, Jesus was not talking to people who needed salvation. He was talking to his disciples. So therefore, it shows us that Isaiah here, uh, 55, is not talking about Jesus and, oh, if you need salvation, come to me. No, no, he's talking to you and I who have been born again, who love Jesus. And he says, if you are thirsty, if you feel that, that, that spiritual frustration, if you feel, come to the water and drink. Oh, hallelujah. He said, come. You have no money. Come buy and eat. Yes, come buy wine and milk. What is it here that he's talking about? He said, if you're thirsty and you want more of God and you want to be satisfied, where are you going to find that satisfaction? Buy wine, the wine of the Spirit. Buy the milk, the milk of the Word. That's where we're going to find our true satisfaction. In Time with the Holy Spirit and in the Word. Oh, hallelujah. And let me say something. Nothing else is ever going to satisfy you. Nothing else is going to satisfy. Listen to what he says. Come buy wine and milk with that money and with that price. Why do you spend money on what is not bread? And your wages for what does not satisfy. Have you ever been in a place where something is scratching you on the inside and you're like, ah, oh, I don't know what it is. And you go to the fridge. Don't look at me so holy. And you go and eat. You make yourself a sandwich or you get a piece of chocolate or whatever. And then you eat and it's like, ah, oh, you just feel almost disappointed or you feel ah oh, maybe i'm gonna watch a good movie you go behind you know you prop yourself up you watch a movie and at the end you feel almost like ah mad at yourself or you think oh no maybe i'm gonna just get the latest you know gadget the latest iphone or i'm gonna get this or i'm gonna get to buy me a new art whatever and we feel let down and we feel like ah, almost upset at ourselves how do I know? Mm -hmm. And then I remember a time where I felt that and I said, you know what? I'm going to go get myself away and go to the Word or just go and worship God. And all of a sudden it's like, whew. you feel that satisfaction, that thirst is being quenched. You feel, whew. that's what it's about. To go to the water, to go and buy wine of the Spirit, spending time with God, or getting, you know, opening your Bible and read your Bible. That's what really will satisfy. Hallelujah. And, and I notice, you know, here is something else. I, God showed me also that, they, you know, in Psalm and Isaiah are two parallel books. I told you Isaiah 53, 54, 55. We see the same thing in the book of Psalm. 
In the book of Psalm, Psalm 22, that's where he talks about Jesus, you know, sister on the cross. He said he was pierced. They cast lots for his garment. That's Psalm 22, talking about Jesus on the cross. But then, of course, we know Psalm 23, do we not? For the Lord is my, I shall not. That's the covenant of peace. That's our new covenant of Jesus Christ. But then there is now Psalm 24. And listen to what Psalm 24 says. Oh, hallelujah. In the verse 6, this is Jacob, the generation of those who seek him, of those who seek your face. He's talking here in Psalm 24 about those believers who have been born again, but are now walking as disciples of Jesus Christ. And he said, this is the generation of Jacob. The generation of Jacob who seek God, who seek his face, not his hand. God, Daddy God, I mean, nothing wrong about asking God what we need. Jesus told us, you have not because you ask not. Nothing wrong about asking God for your needs. But there is something a little deeper. We can come to the place where we seek first God and his kingdom. And all that stuff will be added. And you remember Jacob, don't you? In Genesis chapter 32, you remember the generation of Jacob. What did Jacob do? He went and he got a hold of the angel and said, I'm not letting you go until I get something from you. And he, he wrestled all night long. And finally, what is it that he received from, from the angel? He said, and he said it in, 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 in Genesis 32, Finally, Jacob said, I saw the face of God. And you know, in that seeking, in that pressing through, in that going after God with all of his heart, what is it that God gave him? God gave him a word, didn't he? And he seeks the, not the hand of God, he seeks the face of God. That's who you and I, this is who we are. And you know, maybe you said, you know what? You're talking about spiritual dissatisfaction, about thirst and hunger. I don't have that. I feel pretty content. I'm happy with what I'm... Well, you know what? God is so good. We can even ask God to make us thirsty, to make us hungry. Right? Let's just do it right now. If you are the place where you said, you know what? I'm not really hungry. I'm not really, I'm just satisfied going to church on Sunday once in a while and go to work and come back, you know, and then go to bed and wake up the next, I'm, I'm going okay with that. And if you don't have that hunger for more of God to go and to make an impact in this generation, then let's just pray a simple prayer. And just repeat after me, Father God, I thank you. For you are so good. Make me thirsty. I'm even willing right now to ask you to be thirsty. So you hear me. Because I know it's your will. And I know if you hear me. 
I have the petition I ask of you. Make me thirsty in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I want to be the Jacob of the, the generation of Jacob, the one who seek God. But you know why he called it the generation of Jacob? Because there was also the generation of Esau. You remember Esau. Esau that sold his birthright, who even kind of, you know, he really didn't have that honor, that, that, that warning the things of God. I mean, Jacob did whatever he could to get it. But Esau's like, oh, I'm hungry. Who cares about the blessing? Just prepare, prepare me a bowl of soup. That was Esau. So we choose, we either, am I going to be a Jacob or am I going to be an Esau? We said, well, I'm just going to, who cares about the, you know, things of God? I know I'm born again. I'm going to heaven. That's enough. No, 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 no. We are going to be of the generation in this church, the generation of Jacob's. Hallelujah. But you see, just like Jacob, we have to be, we have to have a determination. Did you notice he had such a determination, he refused to let go until he got something, until he got what he was looking for. And that's what we have. But you know what's happening today? We are being bombarded with distraction. We are being bombarded. I mean, even today with the media friendly, you know, the whole social media, where all, all the gadget and all the stuff that is out there that is supposed to make our life so much easier. Really, I look at it not, don't say I, I you know, I'm not saying that it's evil to have an iPad or I have an iPad. Or it's evil to have an, a phone or to go on social media. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is that we have to be wise. Because those things have the potential to so distract us. So distract us. How many of you, you've been on Facebook and you went saying, oh, I'm just going to go and check. Before you knew it, bam, two and a half hours later. And you're like, oh my gosh, I said I was going to spend time with God. And I wasted all my time on Facebook. You know what I'm talking about? Such a distraction. Sometimes, you know, when I go to India, I go to a, a Bible school that is in the middle of the boonies. You know, we have to drive three hours, get out of the plane, drive in a, in a truck for three hours in the middle of a vill village. And I love it. I love it because I go there, there is no phone. There is no internet. There is nothing. Oh, and I'm, I'm, I'm forced just to be just there by myself. And this is in that place I have some of the most wonderful memories, some of the most intimate time with God. And the last time I went, they came to me so excited. Audrey, we have internet. And I looked at them, I said, oh no. They looked at me like, what's wrong with you? And I know because you understand what I'm saying. That means that we're gonna have to be wise to separate ourselves and to get some of those distractions out of the way to be firm to be determined it takes determination like Jacob what was the last time you said I'm just gonna take one day 
and separate myself with nothing but just my Bible and God. Amen. We're talking about living that filled life, that abundant life, that spirit-filled life, that life that takes you higher, takes you further and deeper. Hallelujah. We have to be determined and eliminate some of the distraction, set up some priorities. And there also something I discovered is when, even when you are pressing in, okay, you remove the distraction, say, God, I'm going to press into you. And all of a sudden it's like, you don't hear anything. You don't feel anything. You don't see anything. And you're like, God, I'm spending time with you. I have nothing. There's nothing. I don't, you know, now here it is what I have discovered and God taught me. It says, it's in those times that we have to be more determined than ever. It is in those times where we feel like we are in eternal and we don't see light. We don't feel anything. We don't sense anything. Or we don't hear anything. It's in those times we've got to stay put, consistent, and persistent. Like, you see, like a pilot, God is wanting to teach us to take us to a higher level wants to take us to a higher level. He wants us to stop walking by our feelings, by our goosebumps, by what we see and we feel. And he wants us to go and start walking by faith. You know, like a pilot. You can either drive your plane because of what you see, or you come to a place where you learn to fly your plane by trusting your instruments. Just by trusting your instrument. I don't know about you, but there has been day where I've been pressing into God and worshiping God. And it seems like there's nothing. But I have to tell myself, or oh, I, 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 I hear the devil, some of the condemnation and some of the, the attack of even our, our identity. And it's in those moments you've got to trust your instruments. What is it? The promises of God, the word. It's in those moments I said, I don't feel God. I don't see God. I don't sense or hear anything, but I'm going to trust what the word says. He'll never leave me. He'll never forsake me. If I press in, I will get to the other side. And just whatever it is, it's in this moment that you've got to walk by faith. You know, it is not God punishing you. No, it's God saying, nah, you're able. I can take you a little higher. Nah, you, you're ready. I can take you a little higher. Oh, look at her. She's learning to walk by faith. Look at him. She stopped walking by a feeling. She stopped being carnal. She's learning to trust me even when she doesn't see or feel anything. To press in like Jacob. Glory to God. And look at what it says. <laughs> in the verse, I believe it's verse 3. Actually, verse... He said, listen in verse 2, the second part. Listen carefully to me. And eat what is good and let your soul delight itself in abundance. Incline your ear and come to me here and there your soul shall live. 
And you know the word live, it's actually the word shaya in, in, in Hebrew and it means quickened, revived. If you feel like you can on the dry or you feel like, oh, nothing is happening, it's in that place where you listen to God, you press in to God, even though when you don't feel or see anything and you continue consistently to do what you know to do, consistently press into God, consistently, and here is the thing, it's not for what we can get, it's just to get God. He is a pearl of great price. He is that part. And you know, God spoke to me. He says, in those times where you feel like you're in a tunnel, it's in those times where you've got to go back to home base. Go to home base. What does it mean? To press into God, to get to know Him, to speak with Him, not for anything, not to pray for revival, not to pray for, you know, for whatever else, or not to pray, no agenda, just God, I'm going to be there just to be with you, to know him. That's as simple as it gets, but that's the deepest thing you'll ever do. And you know, that's what I keep on hearing. In those times we live in, we've got to go back to home base. We've got to do the, that, which is seeking God for who he is. In those times of his, I don't know if you've noticed, we are in time of so much confusion, so much uncertainty, so much oppression. There's so much stuff going on. The only thing that's going to keep us stable is being connected with Daddy God and being intimate with him. Hallelujah. And here it says, it's in that place of seeking God for who he is that will be revived. And then I love what he said next. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you. The sure mercies of David. Indeed, I have given him as a witness to the people. Why is it that here Isaiah talks about the sure mercies of David? Why? He said, I left him as a witness, as an example. Why? Because right there in David, we have an example of what true intimate relationship with God is supposed to look like. And you say, when we talk about pressing into God and, you know, being, going after God, and be, we always think about intensity. We think about, we're going to shut ourselves in our room and shut up, we're going to pray until the, the, the house shakes. We think about intensity, but you see, when we look at David, his relationship with God, you know what it was? What is it that so attracted God? What is it that so pleased God? His relationship was simple, authentic. That's what God loved. And you know, now I'm going to tell myself, you know, some while back I was thinking, you know, God, I'm, I'm going to, I'm there, I'm, I'm wanting to seek you. I'm wanting to press into you. So I, I determined I was going to shut myself. I have a bedroom that I turned into my sanctuary, my little prayer closet. And I only go there just to read the word and pray. And so I told Fred, I said, Fred, sorry, you're going to have to fend for yourself. I'm not coming out of there because I'm going to pray. I'm going to seek God. And, 
And I went even one day, I remember I went praying in the spirit and I prayed, I mean, I prayed and I prayed for four hours nonstop. Then I went and read, then I prayed some more and I went out like this for a few days. Then finally I was kind of a little worn out. And I got out and I said, God, I'm sorry. So I said, you know what, I need to get relaxed. So I said, I'm gonna go and take a bath. So I went, I poured myself a bath. I put a few little candles, might as well do it nice. I got communion element, my little cup, my little wafer, and I went in the bath. You say, what a strange place to have communion. Why not? And I went in my bath, I said, Lord, I, and I started to worship God and just really no intensity, no presence in that sense. Just simple, just, that's where God spoke to me. And he says, now nah, finally, I can talk to you. It would be like me, you know. We think we've got to relate to that relationship with God like our relationship with our husband. What if every time I had, you know, the relation with my husband, it has to be intense every five seconds. And we talk to each other. It's got to be intense. No, 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 no. You see, we think about seeking God and pressing in. We think intensity when really what God is looking for is simplicity, authenticity, and persistence. Consistency. Continue even if you spend time with God, seeking Him, talking to Him like your daddy God, but you do it simply like David. You know, David says, if you had desired sacrifice, and holocaust, I would have given it to you. But what you really desire, God, is a heart that is sincere, broken. That's what you really want. That's what God wants. It's for us to come. It's not what all of we do. It's just coming to God. But doing it, pressing in consistently, consistently. And you know, listen to what it says next. Are everybody doing okay? Oh, thank you, Father. And I like what it says in verse, I believe it's in verse 6. It says, seek, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he's near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord. You know what I see that? I see that as an invitation from God. He says, seek me while I may be found. Come to me. You know, that passage actually is a mirror or exactly a, a what James, in James chapter 4, verse 8, what James said. I mean, in verse 5, he says, God is a jealous God. He yearned jealously for you. What does this mean? That his heart is longing for you. The heart of God is longing like a, a, a lover who is jealous for his, his lover. It's like, oh, I want all of her. I want her attention. I want her love. I want her for me. He says, and in James 4, 8, he said, verse 5, he says, God is jealous in that way. But then he says, draw nigh unto God and I will draw nigh unto you. And then look at what it says. James chapter 4. Draw near to God and I will draw near to you. Cleanse your heart, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your love be turned into mourning and your joys to gloom. 
But here we see that James, it's a, it's a mirror of the, what we saw in Isaiah. He says, I'm inviting you. I'm jealous. I want you. Come. And he says, let the wicked forsake his way and let the unrighteous forsake their thought. What is it that God is saying? He said, I know your heart is not towards me. Your affections are not towards me. That's what God is saying. Why is he saying that? Because you see, you can see somebody's affection by looking at their time, at their money, at their thought. What you think about is what, that's where your heart is going. Where you spend your money, Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. You see, where you spend your money, your, what you think about continually, and what you do is a reflection of your affections. But God is so good. He said, okay, you haven't put your affection to me, said the Lord. But he said, turn, just, re- just turn, change your course, come to me, draw near to me. And I'm going to draw nigh to you. I'm throwing an invitation. And I love what he says. Then he said, then my ways are not your way. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Look at it. In verse 8 and 9, say, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. What is God saying here? He said, you know in the world, okay, you've not, you haven't just put your affection towards God. You've been more preoccupied with, you know, what you're supposed to eat or your job or your hobby or fill in the blank. God says, okay, I know that, but just change your course, change your, stop drawing to me. And he says, my way are higher than your way. The world says you'll get what you deserve, but God says, my way are way higher than that. I'm not going to give you what you deserve. I'm not going to give you, no, I'm going to give you what you don't deserve. That's God. He said, yeah, the world says you, you haven't been really completely committed to God. So Hey, buddy, buster, here you go. You get what you deserve. God says, nah, the minute you change your heart, and it's never too late. It's never too late. It's never too late to say, God, I want to draw close to you. God says, no, that my way are so much higher than your way. I'm not going to give you what you deserve. I'm going to give you what you don't deserve. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to give you something just like, oh, hallelujah, when, when Jacob draw came close to God. What is it that God gave him? God gave him a word. It's a word that showed him his identity, that showed him who he is. It's a word that showed him his place of usefulness, his place of fruitfulness, and his destiny. And listen to what he says. For as the rain comes down, and the snow from heaven, and do not return there, but waters the earth, and make it bring forth, and bud, that it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the heater, so shall my word. See, he's talking about somebody saying, God, I'm going to turn to you. I'm going to draw nigh to you. I'm going to put my affection, not on those things that don't mean anything, but my affection towards you. I'm going to think about you, meditate on you, talk to you, draw nigh to you, get to know you. He said, so shall my word 
that goes from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the things for which I sent it. For then you shall be led forth with you shall go out with joy. You'll know all glory to God. And, and in there you will have peace. The mountain and the hill shall break forth into singing before you. And all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress tree. And instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree. And it shall be to the Lord for a name, for an everlasting, everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. What is it that God is saying? The moment you turn to me and you are, you come, you draw to me and you're consistent and you do not give up. You remove some distraction. You set yourself to be with me, to talk to me, to seek my face, to get to know me. And even if you don't feel or see anything, you can still consistently keep on doing it day after day day after day and you keep and your heart will get revived and in that place all of a sudden oh that doesn't matter if you haven't always done what was right if your affection was somewhere else if you made God you know jealous doesn't matter because his way are so much higher than your way his thoughts towards you are so much higher than your even your own thoughts toward yourself he said I'm gonna give you a word and it's gonna be a word that's gonna set you on course it's gonna be a word that's gonna revive you it's going to be a word that's going to show you your destiny why you here on this earth your place of, of of your identity your place of usefulness and your place of fruitfulness and that is where you'll find real joy this is where you'll find real peace real joy it's in connecting you see that's what prophetic word is all about it, what is a prophetic word? You see, you can get that word whether you read your Bible or from somebody else or just from God, the Holy Spirit. But you see, when God speaks to us and we think we're going to get a prophetic word, we think God is going to dig out the dirt. That's what we think about the prophetic gift. No, huh? When God gives you a prophetic word, it's to dig out the gold. From that is in you. He, he's not a, a dirt digger. He's a gold digger. He'll find the gold and he'll show you who you really are. What you're here for. That place of usefulness, of fruitfulness. And that's where you're really, really going to be happy. To connect with the heart of God and find who you really are and why you're here. But you know, I don't want us just to close it here. Because I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, there's something more. It's like I just knew there was something more to that. Because once we, 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 we connect with the, the heart of God, once we connect and we, we, we feel like now we can see clearer, we, we connected. God says we've got to keep that revival in our heart. We've got to stay in that place of fruitfulness. And how do we do that? Once you hit that place, how do you keep yourself in that place of joy, of peace, of fruitfulness? And how? Jesus said, freely you have received, now freely you must give. You see, every time you receive something, we've made the mistake in churches today where people sit and they receive 
and they receive and they receive and they never give and never give. But you see, the moment we're always on the receiving and we don't go out to give, we enter into a cycle of self-deception. Where all of a sudden we enter into thinking things are not working. So we think I need another word. I need another revelation. I need another teaching. But that's not the, the solution. It's not to get another revelation. The solution is to find God. What is it you spoke to me? What is it you call me today? It, it, it blessed me the other day when I saw that lady who loves to cook. And you know what she said? I love to cook. So now I'm going to prepare meals for people who need it. She found a place. She got a word from the Lord and she found a place of fruitfulness, of usefulness. And I tell you, when you talk to that lady, she's full of joy. She's bubbling up. She's like, you can tell she's excited about it. She found a little, a little niche. Every one of us have a niche in this church. Every one of us. And so we've got Jesus says, really, you have received freely, now you give. The minute you receive, then say, okay, God, how do I respond? I've released my praise and, and, and my thirst unto you. You gave me a word that I received, now teach me how to respond to it. And remember what Jesus said. Because you remember uh, uh, um, Abraham, in, in Genesis 12, that's truly our purpose. In Genesis 12, verse 3, when God gave Abraham a word, he said, I'm going to make you a father of many nations. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your name so great so that through you, the people will be blessed. Abraham understood that God blessed him so that he can be a blessing. We've got to come to that place where we know, God, I'm here. That place of joy, that place of peace, that place of fruitfulness, true fruitfulness is when we receive from God and we start blessing others, blessing others. Find that place where you can receive and bless. We have been called to be rivers, not swamps. We've been called to be rivers, not swamps or lakes. And... That's going to take a little sacrifice on our place. And I'm going to close with those two verses. What our master Jesus, our good friend and master said. In John chapter 12. Everybody's doing okay? In John chapter 12. In verse 24 and 26. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much fruit or much grain. He who loves his life will lose it. But he who hates his life, or you would say despise his life, in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him my father will honor. And then finally in Matthew 16. In Matthew 16. In verse 24 through 27. 
anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angel, and then he will reward each according to his work. In another word here, Jesus is saying, you want to know what true fulfillment, true joy, true life really is? Is you saying, I'm going to kill my self-centeredness. Death to my self-centeredness. Death to my self-gratification. Death to my self-exaltation. Death to my self-preservation. And I'm, Lord, I'm going to follow you and I'm going to do something for somebody else. It's not convenient, I know. It's not easy, yeah, I know. But God, I want to be your disciple. It's, it's when we start walking like that and and taking Jesus seriously and said I want to be your disciple and it's much more than just coming to church it's wanting to follow you wanting to not save my life but to give it away and it's in that place oh my goodness it is in that place that we find such joy that we find such fulfillment that we find so much fruitfulness it's becoming addictive Talk to some of the people in this church that volunteer or do some things or go. You'll, you'll see some of the happiest people. That's right. You know what I mean? And P Pastor Paul talked about it the other day. He said, when Jesus was so tired, it was not convenient. It was not easy. He was so worn out all day. And then that woman is there. And they went to get bread. And then all of a sudden, he was tired, but he said, I know I'm tired. I would rather just probably just sit and rest and relax. And, but he went and said, okay, here's another. I'm just going to give him myself. And he said, oh, I have bread you don't even know about. It's to do the will of my father. He had such a joy. I want to invite you to that place of joy. And I'm probably preaching to the choir here tonight. Because if you come on Wednesday night, it's probably because you love God. And you came here, maybe you had 1,010 reasons why you shouldn't be here tonight, but you made it. Like my dear brother. But it's a, such a place of joy. I don't know about you, but that's where I want to go. Because it's not just about how good a sermon I'm going to preach or how many churches or how many, you know, uh, doing this and going there and, and having a big crowd there. It's not about, it's about, you know, or, or looking good or what. It's about loving God, coming back to the home base and loving people. That's what it's all about. So tonight I want to send you a challenge. Is that okay? I want to send you a challenge. To find that place, if you have not found it yet, but just to go, you know, I'm going to now seek to love God more than ever and just to love people everywhere I go. 
not just in church, but at the supermarket. You know, there are people who need love. There are people who need healing. There are people who need a smile or just whatever. But you say, Lord, okay, show me. I can be a blessing. You can be at the supermarket and find that little cashier behind the thing, you know, frustrated and tired or God know what. And just say, Lord, how can I be a blessing to that girl? You can be at the restaurant and say, Lord, how about picking up the tab for that guy over there? He looks like he's, he needs some encouragement. And you do it without even telling him. Just tell, writing Jesus loves you on it, you know. Or just finding little, there's 1,000 ways just to go and look to be a blessing. Look to bring Jesus anywhere you go. And I'm so excited about what this church is wanting to do, the heart pulse, the heartbeat of this church, which is going out in the community and showing people who Jesus is. I am so excited. Thank you, Pastor Paul. Thank you, Rachel. But I think it's, we've got to go beyond the bumper sticker, so to speak. We've got to go we go beyond waiting for Pastor Rachel to come up with an outreach. We've got to go and take that mantle and take that, that, that charge. Every one of us here tonight. Imagine the revival we would get if every one of us would be so locked into God to love him and said, I'm going to bring revival everywhere I go. I'm going to love on people. I'm going to be a blessing to people. I'm going to have a word for you. Ask God to give you a word for somebody Somebody needs, you know, how about, I remember we were in, in, we went to visit some pastors in Orlando. We were in a restaurant and we were talking, but, you know, two couples talking and all of a sudden the waitress came and the Holy Ghost talked to me and said, ask her if she needs prayer for anything. And in the middle I said, I went and I, I said, is there anything we can pray for you about? The girl looked at us and started to share and she had tears. She started to cry. And I said, well, let's just pray right now, right there at the table. And she was just, and she said, oh, thank you so much. It doesn't take a whole lot. Just interrupting your little agenda and caring enough just to ask somebody what they need. Being sensitive to the Holy Ghost. Because every one of us here, we hear the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Father.